This is the best of the week on Relevant Radio. This morning, Elon Musk announcing that for the first time, his company Neuralink has implanted a brain chip in a human. Musk saying the person is recovering well. Initial results show promising neuron spike detection. Neuralink's goal is to help paralysis patients communicate by connecting their brain to a computer. The device is designed to interpret your neural activity so you can operate a computer or a smartphone by simply thinking. People paralyzed from stroke, from traumatic brain injury, or a spinal cord injury could see the benefits. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. It's, boy, it's, it's amazing. The technological advances that we are making. And with artificial intelligence, it's, it's going to be a wild new world. I mean, what your kids or your children's children are going to experience it's it's wild, and Elon Musk. I you know people are very divided over, but I think the guy's amazing. I, I mean, really, the stuff that he envisions. What people may not realize is that Elon Musk is still even part, you know he's kind of part of the world of the elite. I mean, he's a he's the richest man on the planet, right? Even though he wasn't invited to the World Economic Forum for some reason, they disinvited him to Davos this year. He is the world's wealthiest. He's among the world's wealthiest men, and he's eccentric. And besides X, he owns Tesla. Uh, what he's done with SpaceX is always, I, I've always been marveling at. He wants to send people to Mars. That's his mission. But he's got all these companies. I think he's got the Boring Company. He's got another company called Neuralink. And with Neuralink, and I want to talk about that today, it's a company he's he's been developing that is looking for ways to get technology to read the human brain. There's actually a, a Black Mirror episode where, I, I don't know if there was context, I saw it a few years ago, where Everything you've done was recorded, right? And you could play your memories back, right? It was kind of creepy. If you ever get a chance to see it, it, it really makes you think. But could you imagine if you could somehow read the human brain, what people are thinking or, or manipulate the brain in some way? What he wants is to eventually have interaction between computers and your brain and the brain, right? So you can control a computer just by thinking about it. And initially, you know, Though he, he wants to use these devices to help correct medical issues like paralysis. And, and last night he announced on, on X that somebody has had a neural link device successfully implanted into either his or her brain. I don't know whether, I don't know who it is. Uh, he didn't give any specifics uh, about it. really what is an important accomplishment. You know, there's no details why this person is, was chosen for testing or what the person's condition is or where it was done or who the doctors were. You, you get the picture. So I'm assuming that information will come out later. But this could be another step towards something darker. And Father Tapaholchuk is going to enjoy me. I want to get his take on this. For years now, tech giants, these tech leaders have been wanting to upload human minds to the computer. Right? Is it possible to upload every memory, every thought, uh, you, know, you won't be able to upload your conscience, but that's what they want to do. You know, obviously there's problems on how to get the information from the brain to the computer, but maybe Musk has been able to overcome that. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about transhumanism. Let's talk about the future. Father Tapaholchek is the senior ethicist at the National Catholic Bioethics Center. He wrote, writes a column called Making Sense Out of Bioethics, and you can find him online at fathertad.com, fathertad.com. Father Tad, thanks for being here. This is a pretty wild story, isn't it? 
Oh, it sure is, Drew. It's got lots of implications in lots of different directions, huh? Yeah, well, we can certainly talk transhumanism, but the idea first, let's let's get into the idea of making a device that can help people walk. I mean, that should be applauded or be able to use their arms or I, I'm even seeing stories about people getting vision back now. I mean, it's pretty amazing. Does implanting a neural link or a chip in the brain, gosh, this is new territory. We don't know a whole lot about it. What do you know about the story and does implanting that device directly into the brain take this good into an unknown realm? Well, it's technology that actually has been being developed for a while. It goes back to maybe as far back as 2004, people were first attempting to do this. And I mean, it's a sensible approach in the, from the point of view that you're trying to put in something that can read the activity of your brain mm-hmm. and basically digitize it and then make that information, you know, come out of your head into some other machine that'll make you able to interact with your environment. So as you're pointing out, this has therapeutic applications, no question. And some of them, you know, may be very striking and positive kinds of therapeutic developments, assuming the technology matures a little bit further. Are there concerns? Yeah, there sure are. I mean, we're very, very early in the game here, but, uh, you know, we can go through a raft of types of concerns around this technology that I think will make people, you know, a little bit hesitant and say, oh, gee, we do need to talk about ethics in this arena as well. So so for the physical, if I was paralyzed and I had the ability to walk again, I certainly want to do it, right? So let's just jump in right there and okay. say, you know, there is first, I think, uh, a kind of very basic question. And I'm hoping that Musk has addressed this pretty carefully in the work that's been done up to this point. But it's a, it's a simple question of safety. So look, you're putting something inside the brain. What are the kinds of dangers you would anticipate? Infections? scarring maybe, you know, there could be some damage from the probe Mm -hmm. when you put it into the brain. Uh, There could be what's called cerebral swelling or cerebral edema. Bleeding might be a problem. And, you know, think about this. You're putting like, it's sort of a net on top of the brain to read its signals. Now, what if you're in a really rough car accident or you're out there playing football and this thing gets shifted around in your head and the connections with your neurons get all interrupted and the thing doesn't work anymore. You know, I'm just saying there are practical safety questions that need to be smoothed out right up front and hopefully that work is being done. We know so little about the details of what Musk announced yesterday that at this point we just can't say much more. Yeah, what we do know is that Neuralink was looking for a trial participant suffering from quadriplegia. Uh, last September, that's what was out. So I'm assuming, and we don't know anything, right, that the patient fits that description. Uh, the chip I found very striking. It was called telepathy. That's what he calls the, the, it's about the size of a quarter. It's implanted in the skull. It's attached to tiny thread-like electrodes that delve into the brain to relay these signals to the neurons. Pretty futuristic stuff. And we're just in the beginning of this. It's only going to get smaller and better and probably more proficient. It's cutting-edge technology. And I know Norlink, Norlink, the company, it wants to enable people to control everything from computers to smartphones just by thinking. That's wild. And they've already shown videos of monkeys using the device to play video games. But, but human implantation, implanting this in a human is a whole new ballgame. 
What's the purpose of that? I mean, how likely do you think that is? And you think people be willing to put something in their brain so they don't have to operate their smartphone or their computer, you know, in a tactile fashion? I certainly do. I think this is going to be, you know, the next sort of stylish fad. You know, I remember one time there was a guy who was working on this. I forget his name, but he went over to Google and he gave them a speech about his work. And afterwards, he was kind of surprised because there was an engineer there at Google who was an avid gamer. And he came over to him and he, he said to him, look, when if you do this, put this in my brain, can I have like a third thumb so I can be a better gamer? <laughs> now, gosh. <laughs> yeah, believe it or not. So this guy, you know, was struck by this question and he basically came to the conclusion that he did not want to be implanting electrodes into people just so they can become better gamers. Yeah, right. But, you know, are we going to be able to completely stave off or avoid those kinds of outcomes? I'm not so sure we are. You know, this will become something that will enter probably further down the road, quite a bit further down the road, mainstream marketing. And then people will be able to just sign up and, you know, get extra enhanced capabilities. Yeah, and, and it, Norlink isn't alone. I mean, Musk, as visionary as he is, um, there are companies like uh, Synchron, uh, BlackRock Neurotech, they're all making strides in, in these brain-computer interface technologies. Then I think about AI and how that'll be connected. I mean, it's just, it's wild. The Norlink approach is, is unique in the fact that it has this direct implantation into the mind. Uh, the ethical concerns, Father, let's talk about that for a moment. Um, sure. You know, I, I think I, we've talked about transhumanism in the past. Um, the ethical considerations of putting a chip in somebody's brain, I would argue, and this is a very basic one, you probably have other examples, could lead to a new form of digital inequality or division in society, somebody who's got these other capabilities that nobody else has. Um, sure. How do you see this playing out in terms of the long run? How might, might the technology evolve in the next decade? And what are the moral concerns? All right. So, I mean, I think you're right. There is this whole question of what about enhanced humans versus standard humans? And would you be setting up a kind of caste system where the rich and those who can afford this then, you know, have far greater capabilities? That's certainly possible. I think there's going to be a lot of other interesting angles here that are going to probably emerge. So imagine a situation like this, that you go in, you get one of these things put into your head, And you're living with it, let's say, for two or three years, everything's going fine, but some problem arises. And suddenly it has to be removed, and you have now this tremendous frustration personally, because you're transitioning from having been enhanced to being unenhanced now. And you feel like you're being left behind because you don't have this thing in your head anymore. Psychological stress, you know, that could arise from that sort of thing. A couple other angles, I mean, think about confidentiality. You've got these probes inside your head and they're going to be collecting data. And the question becomes, you know, as you extend the reach of this into other parts of the brain, what kind of data is going to be collected? And is this going to be held confidential? Is this going to be sold to the highest bidder? Are there going to be, you know, big pharma wanting to get a hold of this data for whatever reasons they have, dot, dot, dot. Um, You know, I think there are also possibilities here, Drew, maybe in the direction of getting intrusive with these things. You know, imagine you put these things into children's brains and they're sitting in school learning things and learning also how to use these chips. But at the same time, you can monitor the kid's attention span 
And if they're sort of not paying attention, you can, oh, hey, you sitting over there, why aren't you paying attention? Or you've got workers in a factory and they're having lapses of attention and they're not, you know, assembling what they're supposed to be assembling so well because you're monitoring them remotely because of this thing in their head. I think there's an intrusiveness piece here that we've got to be careful about. You know, one more example. Yeah. What about non-voluntary implantation of these things? So, you know, forced implantation, for example, of these chips to maybe neuter certain criminal behaviors. That's a possibility. So, you know, you can expand these lists further and further of real concerns as the chips, you know, acquire more functionality and as you interface with different parts of the human brain. Sure, these these criminals with these recidivists type of behaviors, the molesters, abusers. I mean, gosh, you could see how, you know, if the government got involved, if the state got involved, these types of policies would pass. If you can kill a child in the womb, why not do something like that? You commit this crime, here's your consequence. Well, Father, thank you. I don't know if you're writing about this at the National Catholic Bioethics Center, but if people want more info, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, through ncbcenter.org or through fathertad.com. Hey, I look forward to our next conversation. Thanks for stopping by. It's always good to talk with you. Well, great to be with you. Thanks so much, Drew. You got it. It's Father Tapaholchik. I'll be praying for you. Have a wonderful day. Hey, like what you just heard? Then share it with your family and friends. And thanks for listening.